From Indiana Public Radio and Ball State University, this is The Scene, the show that captures live music right from our own backyards and brings us straight to you. I'm your host, Paul Butler, and on this week's second podcast, we're going to be looking into the band Overlook from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and hearing an inside scoop on their newest album, Some Way, Somehow. Stay tuned. This episode contains some strong language that has been censored. Listener discretion is advised. Overlook is a blues-based rock band with modern production influences based in Nashville, Tennessee, with roots in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The members include guitar vocalist Carson Bull, drummer Colin Christensen, piano guitarist Jimmy Haynes, and bassist Sam Belevance. Their sound includes that of 70s blues and modern rock, with inspirations from bands such as Pink Floyd, Radiohead, The Beatles, and Black Keys. Their website can be found at www.overlookmusic.com home. And their Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash Overlook Fort Wayne slash. Overlook's most recent album, Some Way Somehow, is available on all streaming platforms. As we can see, we are joined by Carson, Jimmy, Colin, and Sam. But these are the members of the band Overlook from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And how about each of you guys introduce yourself and say what your role is in the bands? Uh, I'll go ahead. Um, I'm Carson Bull. I sing and play guitar. I'm Colin Christensen. I uh, play drums. What's up? My name's uh, Sam Bellavance, and I play bass do some background vocals, and do graphic design for the band. And uh, I'm Jim, or Jimmy Haynes, and I do uh, keyboards, rhythm guitar, and uh, lead vocals for the band. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So you guys are all originally from Fort Wayne? Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay. Did you go to like high school together, or just like kind of meet up, and how did kind of Overlook become what it is today? Well, me and Sam went to high school together. I kind of met Sam in Spanish class, but I met uh, I met Colin and Carson more so through Sweetwater's uh, thing, their little like rock camp program. Oh, awesome! So, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, we all kind of knew each of each other in a in at least in like a kind yeah. of a vague way, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I played with Colin uh, in a different band, like I guess multiple different <laughs> bands before we started Overlook. But we all we all we all kind of knew each other in yeah. some some capacity. Yeah. 
cool that's awesome no i literally i i remember being at the whiteboard in spanish class doing some like exercises and jim comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and he's like uh hey man uh so i'm, I'm trying to start this band and we need a bass player uh, would you want to join and i was like yeah dude. yeah I, I remember i remember texting uh i remember dming colin about a band that i thought he was in that i didn't realize was broken up and then like the same time i dm'd him it was weird like jim added me on snapchat was like texting me about some band and then next thing you know overlook it was the same band <laughs> it was the same band it was very <laughs> weird but that's just how stuff works out yeah, yeah. that's awesome though i met car i met carson uh, one day after rock camp i was doing a I was doing a, like a, I had a rehearsal for another group, and he was he was in the room that we were using, and he just wouldn't leave. Like he was. No one told me there was a rehearsal going on next. I was just like, all so right. So he just kind of sat in on this rehearsal, Dude. and it was it was the band that Sam was in, and so kind of just not even by choice we got inter like, we got introduced to Carson. It was it was pretty funny. Yeah. I was like, who is this kid? Like, why is he just sitting in on a rehearsal? But you know, it all works. It all works like, out. Yeah.
you just listen to Mountain from Overlook some way, somehow record. It's so like, what's your guys' like favorite songs or what was your favorite thing to like, your favorite song to create together for that album? Um, Over There might not be my favorite song on the record, but it probably was my favorite song to make because the entire Sorry. album was recorded in Barry yeah. Street Records, but we recorded Over There during quarantine when we were all together. And it was a yeah. song I had written at the time when I was a student at Belmont and I'd been kind of sitting on for a while and kept showing the yeah. guys. And it was in this really weird tuning, which it was like open D, but like yeah. not open D. It was like this weird hybrid between standard and open D tuning. And it was just something that I kept like messing around with. And then we recorded it all throughout Sam's house. And it was just a, it was a really fun quarantine like side project, but there's a lot of songs that kind of have different meanings to me on that for that record for different reasons. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Carson. I think that the, the coolest one to create was definitely over there because we, we built the studio in Sam's basement in March <laughs> like, awesome. when we all got sent back. Like when everyone was getting sent home and obviously everything was unfolding, we were kind of yeah. like, hey, let's just camp out at Sam's house, put all our gear here. We, we, we did. We honestly built a studio in his basement and just for a few weeks kind of camped out there and did the tracking for it. It was it was a really cool yeah. time. Because, you know, I also loved over there, but... One of my favorite songs recording uh, at Scott's place was just recording mm. a pastoral song because for me, at least like I like I usually know what I want, like the musical elements of a song to be. But I had the clearest vision of the sonic sound of that song. So like being able to put my bass through like three different amps was amazing. And we got like Carson and Jim's guitars through like some Marshall gotcha. stacks, essentially. Like building that song awesome. sonically. Jim, was a lot Jim recorded vocals for pastoral song barefoot in Barry Street <laughs> yeah, Records. Oh my gosh. Carrying carrying <laughs> the microphone, just walking and, around and the one tracking of our, room. Like yeah, I, one of our engineers was just like taunting me the entire tracking <laughs> session, trying to get the anger out of me. <laughs> I'd say that I had like a similar <laughs> moment to Sam, but with the with the th- uh, third track, right? Blizzard's the third track, right? Second track. Second track. Okay, second so the track. second song. Sorry. The, se- Come on, Jim. <laughs> the second song, Blizzard, uh, the chorus section of that song, I had like a very, I literally had like a very clear sound of that in my head for like almost a year or two mm-hmm. straight. And like, and I'd just been holding it for a while. And then like, I remember when Scott was mixing it, uh, he was putting all of like the, uh, he was getting it all dialed in and everything was sound good. And it was just like, it was the first time where I'm like, wow, like exactly what I heard in my head is coming yeah. out of the speakers, like yeah. to a T, you know what I mean? I, I that's feel so like yeah. that's, that's how it was for The Way She Moves. Yeah, it's, like, that's another track that's like very I, similar. I remember, I remember writing The Way She Moves and like instantly had this like sound of sonically what it was in my head. Like I wanted it to sound like my favorite tracks off AM and I'm like, I, I know exactly how this needs to sound. And then we started tracking it and we're doing the overdubs and the vocals, especially when Scott was mixing it and adding all the effects. Like it's not my favorite song lyrically that I wrote on that record, but like sonically and musically, it definitely, it probably is it for me.
just listened to Show Me The Way on Overlook's latest record, Some Way, Somehow. I think just all around, the, this record was the first time we did anything with sort of, I don't know, big budget, but anything where we like put some actual money behind it <laughs> yeah. and, and book some actual studio time. And like we sat and just crafted tones on those songs for entire days. Yeah, and, and, and as yeah. fun yeah. as it was. That's the first time any of us had yeah. done that. As fun as so it was, it, they were long was, days at a point. We were all exhausted, so... I think there was a solid, I think that the, the whole process for that beginning, like of work days was probably like more than, f- f- it was almost, it had to be close to two weeks of just work days. Yeah. We did s- seven full days of tracking and I think five or six full days of mixing. Gotcha. Like, not to it, mention, it, it not to a, mention the rehearsals up until we started recording because we were kind of writing the songs all throughout the summer. Yeah which was nice because we had all summer to kind of let them cook, mm-hmm. especially lyrically. Like we'd go to rehearsal and I would dive into like a song like on my way home. And then I would kind of have, there has to be at least five or six versions of a lot of the songs lyrically, but it was really nice to actually have that time to develop them before we even got to the studio. And then there were some songs that completely changed in a lot of aspects when we got to studio, like the interludes sinking nowhere and Kurt were not gotcha until we got into the studio that those those two songs were actually super fun because we we had almost it was almost like we planned to write those in the studio and it was fun because we have never had the access or the time or the funds to like write in a studio you know we kind of have to do it on our own and then take it all take the finished product to the studio but those songs didn't exist when we went into Barry Street and so it was super fun to be able to craft them with what mm-hmm. we had there. And like with Scott and Morrison, our two guys we were working with, like with them very involved in the creation process. So those two songs, even though they're like only a combined two minutes, I think are super cool and really reflective of that, like that week long time. Gotcha. That was one of the things I was like most grateful for. Like, obviously, like I missed playing live shows because we had like a pretty good summer like lined up, but the ability just to like hang out at my place like every day for hours and hours and spend so much time on the songs and how we wanted them to sound and like being able to jam on them and be like oh you know when this section comes like i want to add all these instruments in the studio and like i know Mm -hmm. scott has this thing so like let's use it like being able to develop all those ideas was like so important for us to get that sound because you know like colin said like we had never really been able to spend this much time on a record and for us to be able to prove for, to ourselves that we could make something that's yeah. good was like, it was really big for us. Long story short, I think it's yeah. safe to say we're all very proud of this record. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So hard to 
just listened to over there from overlook some way somehow record i think i think it's i think i think it's four or five i think we did we did three outdoor shows and then one or two like summer shows i don't i don't honestly remember we 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 had those those four outdoor shows so this was (laughs) we played a fourth of july party and like Oh, it got rained no. out. My pedal board got, got ruined, and I was yeah, just like, I was like "Man, horrible. this is the but most 2020 thing like ever." One show that I will say is probably the best show and the most fun show we've ever had was at the Tiger Room. Yeah, before. I was going to mention um, that. Yeah, I, I saw that. But. That show was because especially because we had that was a crazy show. Monarch is always kind of like open for us sometimes. Yeah. Like we've been we like have them open for us sometimes, and before we put them on label records, but um, we had them at that show, so we had them open and. It was nice because it was the first time we like been in a group of people, which was very stressful because we had like limited like occupancy and yeah. everyone was wearing masks and stuff. And but it was just something about the energy of that room. I can't describe how that show was. It was probably yeah. one of the coolest things I've ever felt because everybody wanted to be there. Yeah, so bad. Like the oh, same thing, the yeah. same way we wanted to be there because we wanted to play and people wanted to listen. And it was just this amazing energy that I don't think I could like describe to yeah. a group of people unless you were there that day. But it was it was amazing. But as far as like label records go, so for some way somehow you were working with Scott and with other engineers and producers. But were you guys actually like doing the mixing and like mastering behind like some way somehow, or is it more so like you gave that uh, responsibility to another person? No, we we just kind of like uh, we're there when they're mixing. Obviously, just kind of like giving us our input. Gotcha. It was their studio, so they're the engineers. The only song that we engineered and mixed, I remember uh, we recorded over there. I remember mixing over mm-hmm. there, but Scott still mastered it. But that's the song we kind of did on our own. As gotcha. far as label records, like our other artists, like they kind of record through us. So like Monarch, for example. Yeah, I, we re- we recorded their album entirely in one day. That's crazy. Which was probably the most which has probably been the most exhausting thing I've ever done. I, I was not a fun person to be around that day, but um, we got the Monarch record done. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, the marathon. Um, but I mean, as far as the label record stuff goes, it's 
we don't we don't always have to do the recording mm-hmm. or the mixing or anything, but we we do when it comes to Monarch or any of the projects we're working on right now. But w- it's more focused on us giving the platform for them to release it on yeah. and backing them up with the content creators we know and the the social media people that we know and just backing up the release of it through through that system. More like just like a record label would, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. It's 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 been like I think it's been a pretty crazy journey because it started out as a <laughs> yeah. joke. I mean, the name of our company, Thank our Jim company for that is one. Label Records. Like. <laughs> oh, no, it's yeah. the, it was the name on that. So like, okay, so no, I it was in DistroKid. I I thought no, I came it, up with it. Everyone came up with it. I. It started out as record label. Yeah. It started out as record label, and we looked it up, and there's already an actual record one label book for records. Yeah. It to label records. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so anyways, it started out as like a joke, you know, but like now mm-hmm. it's kind of grown into this like really cool thing where we're able to yeah. support one, the Fort Wayne community, which is really amazing. But now, now that we're all in different parts of the country, we're able to support our other friends here and it's kind yeah. of grown into this wider yeah. web. That's been really cool. And I think that what like another plus of quarantine that's come out of this is like learning how to collaborate with these people from mm-hmm. a distance. Cause it's like, I did, I put the drums on Carson's record um, from Fort Wayne while he was in Nashville. And this is like in January and February leading into March. Like I have no idea that that's about to be my entire career <laughs> thing is, is that. So as soon as it happened, it was kind of like, Oh, I've done this before. Like we can keep these things going. And like right now, Carson and I are working with a singer out of, Nashville and we're awesome. doing a record from Nashville and Fort Wayne at the same time and Sam's playing bass on it so it's like we're all spread out but the technology and the time we live in allows us to still work together sweet
You're listening to Overlook some way, somehow, on the scene from Indiana Public Radio. Yeah. So, like, did this, did label records kind of come about um, before some way, somehow's release? Oh, yeah. It's It's been a thing since our first EP. It didn't become, like, a serious thing until our first record, End of Summer. Gotcha. And then we kind of got that, like, formed and stuff, but... That's when we got, yeah. got a logo and got an idea of like what the co- what the company was yeah. and like what were our rules and stuff right now and um, it's kind of progressed more and the nice thing like a lot of people you could see it as a negative us being spread out in so many areas it's actually been really nice because yeah. networking wise like we have Sam kind of like a representative for us out in LA meeting people with Sam out in Boston Colin back in Fort Wayne and then I'm down here, but most of the time Colin's coming down to Nashville to hang out anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely seems like it's, it's really nice to be able to have those connections with different people across like the, the nation really. I mean, it's nice of course to be all together in like Fort Wayne or something, but you know, when you're all spread out, then yeah, you have that networking opportunity and you can kind of grow your, you know, your record label, label, <laughs> label records. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that's so ironic, yeah. but I love it. It's awesome. Exactly. It's catchy. It is. It's catchy, you'll, right? You'll never forget yeah. it. <laughs> so like, how did kind of your guys's sound come about? Was it just like what your upbringings were with music and you kind of just like jammed and found something that worked? Yeah. It's, it's funny how that stuff kind of turns out because all of us are very different in the music we listen to, which is, I think is a great thing for me. I got my like exposure to music through like early blues records and folk records Mm -hmm. and kind of classic rock kind of all mixed together my music taste is like changed so much you know as everyone does but uh i really when i like super like first got into music i started out in like the indie pop scene kind of with bands like uh star effer and of montreal and moved on to like jazz jazz has been like a huge thing and (laughs) All right, sum it up. I started out with like indie pop and a lot of jazz. And um, now I've been getting super into world music and like Cuban and African music. I go all over the place. I'm kind of the same as Carson. I got brought up on a lot of classic rock stuff. And then as it's progressed, though, I've kind of lately gotten more into like the psych pop and the kind of like Perth scene that Tame Impala and all those bands are a part of. I'm super into that lately. Mm -hmm. And I like bringing that kind of sound into the stuff that we're like currently working on the post some way, somehow stuff. And that kind of more electronic music stuff is kind of only exists because of Jim. I think Jim kind of put me on to like the fact that not all music has to be made with real instruments. And that wasn't a way that I thought about things before I met him like four or five years ago. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The amount of hip-hop records Jim The whole genre. (laughs) Jim was like, Jim was like, look at this, please. Well, I was just like Colin and Carson and Sam too, but I just started in the rock, like basically what my dad was playing when I was around growing up. So basically, like, I started with just Mm -hmm. the CDs and records that my dad had. But then once I got older in high school, I got obviously, like, much more into hip-hop. Because, like, I kind of look at hip-hop, like, it has the relevance and the appeal that uh, rock had kind of in its heyday. Hip-hop kind of has that now. So it's kind of interesting to see that take place with another genre. But that, that doesn't even really have to do. I mean, the music's just good. But, like, 
ever since I've gone into college, like I've, I used to like hate jazz. Like I used to despise jazz. I just thought it was like, oh, I can like play faster than you. Like that's all I thought the genre was. But now it's like I, uh, it has such a deep beauty to it, and I just, I appreciate jazz so much more since I've, uh, been, since I've been at college. It definitely comes in waves, though, and I feel like a lot of like what music we listen to is affected by each other. Definitely. Um, yeah. There's a lot of bands uh-huh. I don't think I would For listen sure. to if I hadn't heard about them from one of them, and uh, it's it goes through phases. Like I'm like folk folk music and like Bob Dylan is one of the main reasons I got into writing songs, and I go through phases of like I'll go a while without listening to it, and then it's always kind of seems to be the theme that when I need to hear it, I go back to listening to it. So yeah, it's funny yeah, how that stuff works. Way down deep undercover, try to act like you still don't love her. Piece together what is left, the biggest mess is in your head. Her eyes got me so high, now they haunt me. They're blue, piercing my brain, the pain is not human. Some things never change now. Somewhere, somewhere over the hill No control, I'm on the edge of the world Trying to see, but nothing's as it seems Open my eyes, it's not too hard to find The day is blind Trying to see, but nothing's 
You've just listened to The Day is Blind from Overlook. So we released a short film called Sinking Nowhere. So the origin behind this short film was it was one day I had been at work all day. And for some reason, the idea was kind of like just kept bouncing around in my head. Took like had a bunch of coffee after I got back from work, FaceTime Derek and me and Derek Cockermeyer must have talked about like just ideas for this weird short film that combines all the songs on the album within like 15 minutes. And we probably spent all night, like five hours writing up a rough script. And then we kind of spent a whole like two weeks probably refining it until we had an idea of it. And then the hard thing was we knew we were going to only have 48 hours to shoot it. So we're like, how do we shoot probably at least like a couple, a couple hours worth of footage for a 15 minute short film in two days. So we just had to plan the crap out of it. Like we had all the songs synced up like cues in my ears. Cause we had to act along. I had to act along to the music and make sure everything was synced up. So we had it very planned out. We had a very like set schedule when Derek got down here and it was hard because it was right when daylight saving happened. So it was getting dark at like four o'clock. So there was a lot of like 5am wake up calls to get ready so we could shoot the entire thing. But I'm really happy with how that turned out. Like Derek is extremely talented and I know it sounded overwhelming when I gave him, like when I came to him with the idea for it and it's everything that I envisioned in my head and more. Yeah. So if you want to watch it, sinking nowhere is out now on YouTube on our YouTube channel. So just search that and you can watch it if you want. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, I watched that. I think, I think it was a couple of days, days ago. And I, I really liked how you guys had the different songs in there. I thought that was very, very innovative and yeah, it was very, very cool with all the edits yeah. that Derek it's very made. much inspired um, by um if you ever get the chance to watch it there's a video called the ballad of cleopatra that the lumineers released back in like 2016 and they kind of did something similar to that and i remember okay. watching that and being like oh this this can't this is cool but yeah. i wanted to kind of just take it to a weird extreme and Derek was down for that because gotcha. he had seen it before
you just listen to The Way She Moves on Overlook some way, somehow. Well, if you if you want to find us on Instagram, it's at Overlook underscore official. On Facebook, we're Overlook Band. On YouTube, we're Overlook Official. Our website is www.overlookmusic.com. Go check them out. Awesome. Thank you guys so very much for taking the time. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having us, man. This is awesome. Yeah, this is, this is so cool. We, we yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. It's nice to meet you.
Major support for the scene comes from the Vice President of Information Technology at Ball State, Ball State's music media production program, our underwriters, and listeners like you who support their local public radio station. Our show is produced entirely by Ball State students. Kyler Altenhoff, Chris Golab, Jacob Holtzman, and myself are the show's producers and engineers. Gabe Hua is the artist booking and communications coordinator. Sean Ashcraft is Indiana Public Radio's production and operations manager, as well as the employee supervisor. Dan Porter is the immersive learning professor, and Adam Finassier is the scene liaison from Cardinal Music Group. This episode was produced by me, your host, Paul Butler. Special thanks to Overlook's record label, Label Records, for producing the material that we have presented on this week's episode. To find out more about the bands and venues we feature on the scene, visit our website, indianapublicradio.org slash the scene, where you can learn more about the program and listen to our episode archive. Again, that's at indianapublicradio.org slash the scene. Also, if you'd like to keep up with what we're up to next, follow our Facebook page. Just search for The Scene from Indiana Public Radio. And find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at The Scene on IPR. We're also on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you find your podcasts. Give The Scene from Indiana Public Radio a search to add us to your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for being with us. And join us again next time here on The Scene from Indiana Public Radio. I look into your eyes. It's hurt deep inside. I feel it too. Now I'm falling low down in a hole.